You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. This is On Boys Parenting Podcast. We are your co-hosts, Jennifer L.W. Fink, mom of four boys. And I'm Janet Allison, teacher of many more Thanks for joining us as we share real talk about parenting, teaching, and reaching tomorrow's men. Do you worry about the quality of your boy's diet? I do. My third son, Adam, stopped drinking milk when he was two. We learned later that he's lactose intolerant. And for years, even now, his primary food group is popcorn. I worry about his nutritional intake, and I thought about giving him vitamins, but I was not thrilled with what I saw out there. So many vitamins for kids are filled with sugar and unhealthy chemicals, and they're based on out-of-date nutritional guidelines from the 1980s. I wish Haya vitamins had been around then. We recently got some samples of Haya, and these are different. They are made from a blend of 12 farm fresh organic fruits and veggies, and they don't contain any of the sugar and gummy junk that your kids don't need. My Adam is now 17, so he's a little old for chewable vitamins. I gave him some anyway, and he gives Haya a thumbs up. I'm so glad that they tested them. We did too, because we're not going to promote anything that we haven't tried. And we've worked out an exclusive offer with Haya Health for these best-selling children's vitamins. This is just for you, our On Boys podcast listeners. Receive 50% off your first order. So to claim this deal, you must go to hiahealth.com slash onboys. And that is H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H.com slash onboys. Receive 50% off your first order. Just go to HayaHealth.com slash onboys and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. That is HayaHealth.com, H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H.com slash onboys. And that full discount will be applied at checkout. And let us know how your kids like their new vitamins. As parents, we often wish we just had someone in our corner to coach us, to teach us, to cheer us, and to console us. 
More than that, though, we wish there were someone who could be in our son's corner besides us to coach, teach, cheer, and console. Our guest today is a coach, a mentor, and a speaker, and dad of a six-year-old son who has worked with kids in just about every imaginable setting, from at-risk foster youth to rehab to training police departments and school districts on how best to work with teens. More than that, Joshua Wayne was a struggling teen. He has the street cred, which matters so much for boys. Welcome, Joshua. Thank you. Thank you. Excited to be here with you. Great to have you. You have been working directly with teens for 20 some years and helping them face challenges that support that they need to make smart decisions. And along with that, guiding parents to love and support them. That's a tall order. Someone's got to do it. And we're glad you're doing it because, (laughs) I mean, Jen, my co-host, I should say, is not with us today, but, you know, we are advocates, we work with parents, and yet we were not that struggling teen boy. And so it's so important for them to have men to say, hey, I was there, here's what you got to do, here's where you can end up. Here's what's going on, you know, connect with them, you know, and, and... My preference when I work with a family, and there's a number of things that I do. One of the things I do is work directly with families in a coaching and mentoring capacity. My first effort is always to try to connect with the young man. I always want to build that relationship as I, if I can. The, the sweet spot for me with the young men I work with is, is kind of is a little bit older, 17 and up, sort of that, where they're a little more mature, a little more grounded in themselves, a little more at that place where they're starting to take more responsibility all the way up even in their mid to late 20s for, for young men who need another ear, another, another, or another voice in their ear, I should say, mm-hmm. of another adult man who can give them some guidance as they're figuring out wh- where they're going and what they want to do. I always want to try to connect with the, with the team. What I've also realized, though, is that sometimes, unfortunately, by the time families find me, if there's a lot of discord in the relationship with their son, then they, and they try to introduce me. A lot of times their, their kids are going to see me as the hired hitman of the parents. Right. And so it makes it difficult. So what I learned over the years is that I also, even if I can't, uh, if I can't successfully engage the young man, I often can also help parents by coaching them and helping them really navigate the situation strategically to very often repair their relationship with their son so that they can get their relationship back on track and play a constructive role as he's figuring out what it means to be an adult. Yeah, I mean, I also am a coach and I work with families who, unfortunately, it, it, they do come to you kind of late when things are, you know, we sneaking out and smoking pot and doing all the things. And so what would you say to those parents who have, who feel like they are just kind of losing their, I use the term authority, but you, and which I don't really mean like coming down hard authority, but you know, there is that place where suddenly your boy is bigger than you and stronger than you. And he's saying no, and you don't feel like you have any leverage with him. Yeah. So I think there's a couple aspects to it. Let me, let me say this, just to, to go back to the, the sort of the start of where I would think about the answer to that question. And in many ways, this, this is the, the, the underpinnings of all my work when I'm speaking to parent groups or to people who work with kids. I, I, I use this metaphor. 
if you can, if you think of any major organization in the world, whether it's a company or a not-for-profit, they all have a board of directors that is there to guide their strict, their strategic thinking and their decision making. Just like those organizations, every kid in your life has their own board of directors. And it's like a virtual roundtable of the people that they're listening to and paying attention to as they figure out what it means to be an adult, right? So it consists of their friends for sure. It consists of celebrities they're following on social media. It consists of musicians whose music they love, sports figures they idolize. If you're lucky, a teacher or two or some significant adult my core premise to parents is that your number one objective is to be on your kid's board of directors. You don't need to be the chairman of the board, but you want a seat at that table. Now, the only way you get and keep a seat at that table is by having a relationship that is strong with them. It's the only real leverage you have. If they feel like they can talk to you and that you're, and more importantly, that you're going to listen without judging or rushing into a lecture with your opinion about things, if you'll really listen to them, they're still not going to tell you everything. We're talking about teens after all. But when the big things hit, and they always hit, you can position yourself to be one of the people they're coming to for advice and feedback when they need it. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that strength of the relationship, become, it's really the only leverage point you have. I mean, I can't control my six-year-old when he's sitting next to me, let alone when he's 12 or 13 or 14, and he's going to be off in his room or off with his friends, the only leverage I actually have is the strength of my relationship with him. So that really becomes, in my mind, the main thing to focus on. That's the main topic of conversation. So in that, and I, you know, we, our listeners are parents of all age children, and I can hear the, the moms out there going, okay, he's six. How do I, how do I make sure that we have that strong connection? Then they start to be tweens and their board of director table fills up with lots of other people and they don't talk to their parents and so how do you navigate those waters of yeah I want to have a strong relationship with him but it feels very one-sided yeah so there's a couple pieces to it the first one is you let me actually let me let me start with actually what I think is the second one because I think this is where most parents with the best of intentions make missteps. And it's about, it's about choosing the battles you fight with him. That is the main thing because there is no, there is no more surefire way to get yourself kicked off his board of directors than fighting the wrong battles with him. I will go, I'll cut to the chase because there is the number one battle <laughs> that parents fight with their teen boys. that gets them excommunicated from the board of directors. You want to guess what it is? Screens. Not actually, it's actually not screens. That's the, that's ah, the second one. School. Okay. What? School? School. School. Ah, okay. Good. School and their grades. School oh, and their grades. School and grades. Stop fighting with him about it. Stop freaking out about it. You know how many that- parents freak out because their kid's getting B's when, they, when the parents think they should be getting A's or got a C plus in the class when they, when they think, oh, he's capable of getting a B plus and they're frustrated and they're writing him about it and then that becomes anger and resentment and pushback. And then that starts to bleed out into all of the other areas of your relationship with him because you're not giving him his space around school and taking ownership for it himself so that he actually can navigate it. And if that means we have to deal with our own anxiety and deal with a little bit of what, what seems on the out exterior, like a little bit of failure, then we need to deal with it and put our own anxiety in check and give him space around that. I actually think tech is a battle we should fight with them. 
Okay. Well, let's stick with school and then yeah, go to tech because that's yep. definitely important. But um, I love what you're saying. I can hear. I mean, it gives me, I feel a little anxious. I, I don't even, I don't have kids in school, but I'm feeling all the parents out there, all the moms out there who are, had that eighth grader, that ninth grader who feel like he's not even trying, he doesn't care about homework, he, and like, we won't even bring in this whole debacle of online schooling during the pandemic, because sure. that's been just crazy. Agreed. Agreed. And I know that we future pace a lot as parents, we, you know, we want him to go to college or vocational school, whatever he wants to do, we want our kids to be successful. And we see them not even trying not motivated and okay i hear you like we've got to back off and do our own work but yet our kids are failing before our eyes it's not what we want for our boys we want them to at least get c's but what do you do about that kid who isn't even doesn't care at all in the parent's so eyes yeah so i think a few ways to think about it the first one is, it, it, of course, listen, I'm not saying, I want to be clear, I'm not saying school is unimportant. School is important. It's just not the most important thing. You know, in a, in a, in a period of time when suicide has become the second leading cause of death amongst adolescents, and we have research that shows that, I think it's the APA put out uh, some, some data that said 45% of kids report being stressed about school, and we know their stress level increases during the school year. Mm -hmm. It's just it, putting a huge amount of pressure and, and anxiety on, on them around school is it's a net loss for parents because of what it does to, to your relationship and how it weakens your position on their board. So there's a couple things. One is that of course we should encourage them to do their best, but they have to take ownership for it. Like that is the key thing we're looking for when it comes to school is that they take ownership. They've got to be the one steering the ship. If it's only you trying to push it forward, they're not learning, they're not getting the internal skills they need to become independent at some point. Here's what I've I've worked with so many boys that are struggling in school and their parents are freaked out about it, and there's tons of fighting at home around this and punishment, and the kid's resentful, and then he's acting out in all a bunch of other ways to get even with his parents because of all the pressure to put him out on school. When he gets out of high school whatever's next and he gets a little bit of distance and a little bit of breathing room and he gets a little bit more a sense of autonomy and a sense of that he's allowed to focus on the things he wants in his way things things come together the key but my goal is i want that to happen before they get out of high school mm -hmm. so give him room what are the natural consequences of him of him failing a class or two mm -hmm. maybe he has to repeat those classes maybe he has to go to summer school maybe instead of getting a summer job or going off with his friends or doing camps or whatever He's got to go to school. I, get, I just say to parents, get out of the way. Let him start to make decisions about this stuff. Deal with the natural consequences of what come so that he can start to take responsibility for the situation and navigate it. Once he takes ownership for it, things are going to change. Just because a kid's failing some classes or not getting the GPA you think that they can get does not mean he's going to be living in a van down by the river. Mm -hmm. At some point, something's going to click in his brain around, I need to take action around this, and he's going to do it. Now, here's a couple other pieces, though, that are sort of a backstop to that, okay? I don't believe, therefore, that you should just be completely hands-off with your son, 
right? Because mm -hmm. I think there are things that we should be really pushing on them, right? So like if you like a way to look at this, like the question I like to ask myself or when I'm approaching working with a boy is what does a healthy boy look like? Right? Because if All I right. can think through that and if I can start to define what a healthy boy looks like, then I know what I start to start to try to cultivate in him or as, as a parent myself, right? Let's just think through some of the big picture things around what tends to be true about boys that are healthy and doing well, right? One is they're physically active. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying they have to be a star athlete. I'm not talking about being captain of the basketball team. I'm talking about a certain kind of physicality, being healthy, being engaged, whether some kids like to go to the gym, some kids do a martial art, some kids do a sport, some kids ride around and play just baseball in the park with their friends but they're physically active and engaged. They have a sense of their body. They're not sitting there for 12 hours a day playing video games. And again, I'm not gonna, we can come back to talk about tech in a moment, but mm -hmm. so there's a sense of physicality. He's physically active. Yeah. Like every really healthy boy I know is physically active. Mm -hmm. Okay. The second one is he has interests. Yes. Like just natural interests. Some of those are gonna lead to good grades. Some of those aren't. There's a young man I work with who's just so deeply into military history and just knows every Navy ship and every detail of every Navy ship. Another one who's into rock climbing and just studies different rock climbing routes. But, but healthy boys tend to have interests, right? Something mm -hmm. that just eclipses and holds their attention. Okay? Yes. Third one is they have friends. Mm -hmm. Okay? Doesn't mean yeah. they have to have a massive stable of friends, but they know how to make friends. They know how to keep friends. They know how to know what a friend is and they know what a friend isn't. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. fourth one is a basic sense of self-confidence you know has some emotional resilience can can take smart risks you knows is, is comfortable stepping outside his comfort zone like has a sense of self-confidence that it's okay to to take risks in the world healthy mm -hmm. risks calculated risks mm -hmm. so that's a sense of self-confidence and the fifth one is a re strong relationship with you like those are the five that i've sort of defined in my mind as i'm looking at a boy like those are the the lenses I'm looking at is go back to that board of directors thing. Like those are the five things. So if you notice on my list of five things is not a great GPA. Right. Yeah. My hypothesis is if those other five things are more or less true, if we can focus on those things, your boy is going to turn out fine. He's going to be okay. Regardless of what his GPA is. If he has those five things, he's going to figure out what he, he's going to, he's going to have the tools he needs to successfully transition into the adult world and take responsibility for himself and go be successful, which again is what we all want for. Exactly. And that success may be out of what we think as the, the mainstream success, which is totally fine because he's followed his interest or his passion. That's yeah. it. He follows his, he finds the thing that that's the path in life that's going to be right for him or he's going to be satisfied. Mm -hmm. You know, have mm -hmm. the kinds of friendships that are going to be satisfying to him. You know, I didn't, I didn't know what I wanted to do until I was in my late twenties with, with, with real clarity, you know, I went to college, but then I, I kind of wandered for some years. I waited tables. I backpacked in around the world in a couple of different places. I just needed to, I had some wanderlust that I had to get out of my system and go work some different jobs in, in, you know, different places and try different things and lived in a few different places and couch surfed for a little while with friends. And then once I got that out of my system, there was an, it was actually like a, a, an absolute clarity of what I wanted to do. I went to grad school. I did a, what was supposed to be a four-year pro, part-time program. I did it in two years full-time while working a full-time job, got a 4.0 GPA, and was the vice president of the Student Counseling Association from, from the, the program that I was in. 
while I was working a full-time job because once I was clear, mm-hmm. it, was, it was almost like this perfunctory exercise. I just had to go and just get the work done and I did it. Right, the determination. For myself. And the highlight of it came in your late 20s. You had to do all these other things first. And I think that we do pressure our boys even in as early as middle school and early high school of what are you going to do? What do you want to be? How are you going to do it? And, and that straight path. And it is not a straight path. So allowing them that time to explore. And I do wonder, though, for many parents, they're wondering if their sons are going to get off of the couch and away from the video games. So let's, let's pivot to tech and talk about tech. And I also want to make sure that we include that sense of motivation. I hear a lot of parents worried that they feel like their sons are, have no motivation. This episode is sponsored by By Heart. Babies need to eat. And whether you breastfeed or bottle feed, use formula, combine all of the above, you need options. We wanted to let you know about Byheart Baby Formula. Byheart has a patented protein blend that gets the closest to breast milk. It includes two of the most abundant proteins in breast milk. And Byheart actually ran a clinical trial comparing their formula to a leading infant formula and proved that babies on Byheart have softer poops, less spit up, and easier digestion. Byheart is also the only U.S.-made infant formula to use organic, grass-fed whole milk. So if you need baby formula for your baby, consider Byheart. New customers can get 10% off your first order by using code ONBOYS at byheart.com. That's B-Y-H-E-A-R-T dot com slash podcast, and it is 10% off your first order, byheart.com slash podcast. This is a limited time offer and additional terms and conditions may apply. We all know that vitamins can help fill nutritional gaps in our diet, but a lot of us don't like to take vitamins because we don't like swallowing pills. How do you feel about that, Janet? There's some days that I look at my vitamins and go, yeah, I should take those. I'll do it later. But I'll tell you what's changed. I have gotten easy melt vitamins. I have the D3 and I have the B12s and a multivitamin. And I just pop them in my mouth and they dissolve. And I don't have to think about swallowing a vitamin. And you don't necessarily need water either to have on hand to get this big vitamin now. Yeah, no. And they taste good. And they're sugar-free. They melt quickly. The reason they melt is because of plants, not chemicals. Ah, plant-based nutrition. For a limited time only, you can receive a free, free three-month supply of Easy Melt Vitamin D3 with your first purchase. To claim your free D3, visit try.easymelts.com slash onboys. That's Try, T-R-Y, dot, easy melts, E-Z-M-E-L-T-S, dot com, forward slash, on boys. They don't want to be out exploring interests. They don't, they're just content to play Fortnite with their friends. Yeah. 
Yeah, I know. And, and, and it's a challenge. So, you know, I, I, I believe when we look at the battles we have to fight, right? Mm-hmm. I believe that tech is one of those battles. And it is not an easy battle to fight. I will say I just wrote a book on the topic. And one of the things I talk about in the book is that obviously, the earlier you introduce clear rules and boundaries around it, the much easier your life is going to be. You know, if, if when they get their first device, when they're 11 or 12, and it comes and it's clear that, hey, this is my device, I'm, I'm letting you use it exactly. based on these rules and expectations. And if you follow the rules and expectations, then I want you to enjoy this device. If you don't follow these rules and expectations, you're not going to have access to this device. You know, if you, if you start to breed that into them when they're younger, that thinking that you are the one controlling the reins of how and when tech is used in your home, your, your job is going to be much easier. Mm-hmm. I get, though, that a lot of parents, even with the best of intentions, gave the kid their first device when they were 9, 10, 11, whatever it is, and thought, hey, you know, this is just the zeitgeist. He's going to go use the device, and this is how he's going to connect with his friends and games and whatever. And now you've got a 16-year-old who, you know, won't put the thing away, and, and, and it's World War III when you, when you try to get them to shut it down at 9 o'clock. Exactly. Yeah. So let's start, let's kind of take it sequentially. And also with the caveat that probably we're all on screens a lot more in these last couple months and feeling some guilt about that. And so where do we kind of land there? But, but also looking at say the, the five, six, seven, eight year olds that are, are on video games, uh, good percentage of the day. And part of that is because we got work to do and we need them to be entertained. So how do you start to set those boundaries early and the parameters early on, knowing that it is going to be a struggle? I mean, we know that this is addictive. It is for us as adults. And it's really hard to say, turn it off, come eat dinner, whatever, and, and make those transitions. So how do you suggest for parents of younger kids to, to set that foundation early. I mean, you just have to set limits. It's just, it's just parenting. You know, you don't let them eat a whole bag of Oreos. You know, they can have two Oreos. You know, my whole premise of the book is that the problem isn't technology. The problem is moderation. And, and in some ways tech sugar is the app metaphor because tech is kind of like sugar. Once they get a taste, yeah, it's all they want. It's once they get on Skittles and Oreos, it's hard to get back to to broccoli and and, and cauliflower and carrots. Right. You know, but but this is but that's part of parenting is that mm-hmm. we, we set limits. We fight certain battles because we know it's in their best interest. Mm-hmm. And I understand what the whole pandemic thing that things have loosened up a little bit. And I actually think that's reasonable. I don't I think that it's OK to be yeah. a bit more flexible right now. Let I think that go. Beat ourselves mm-hmm. up about it, but but just let's we can we can talk about some of the rules during the pandemic. But just in terms of normal times, you've got to set limits with younger kids in particular. You know mm-hmm. the the general the general guidance that's out there, and it's changed, and different organizations have nuanced it a little bit. But I I, I go back to this this basically this two hour rule that once they get let's say over six years old, they should have a maximum of two hours a day of screen time. Mm-hmm. Now, I think for a lot of high schoolers, so we're talking like the six to 10 year olds, that's probably reasonable. Once they get into 15, 16 years old, that's probably a little more difficult. And we can talk about that, if, you know, depending on how deep into it you want to go. But, but this is where we just have to parent. 
that yeah. the, the, the devices get shut off and you, you can shut down the Wi-Fi at a certain point if you have to. You can physically take the device away. You can have a parent control app that shuts it all down. The other thing too that's hard that we also have to admit is that, especially with younger kids, tech, tech is like free unlimited babysitting. Exactly. Right. So, so to set limits on it puts more onus and responsibility on us to have to engage with them, mm-hmm. to have to program for them, to have to find things for, to do for them. But, but you know, I guess it comes down to how do you want to raise your kid? In some ways, this becomes a very personal choice. I want to be outside, you know, doing sports and running around with my son and throwing the balls and walking in the woods and looking for for salamanders in the creek. I mean, that's mm-hmm. just. You know, but that's a personal choice because those are my values. I think that that's better for his brain development than sitting in front of a screen four or five mm-hmm. hours a day. Mm-hmm. So we do limit it, you know, but that becomes a parenting choice. But to go do that with him means I got to put down my own device and my exactly. own set aside my own things that, that I might rather be doing that's in Josh's world mm-hmm. and go be in his world. So yeah. I, I, that becomes just a personal parenting choice, I think. But it's about having that sense of authoritativeness as parents, that at some point, we, we, as parents, we have to say no at some point. No, you can't eat 10 Oreos. No, you can't have more screen time. No is a complete sentence, right? It exactly. goes like this. Yes, no. yeah. And just own it and, and, and fill, fill out those, those parenting shoes, which I get for some people is tough, but I don't see any way around that if you want to set limits around this stuff for your kids because the problem is, is that if we don't do it, if we don't set limits for it, they're not going to do it for themselves in most cases. Sure, because that bag of Oreos is sitting there, and Oreos are good. We like Oreos. Yeah, actually got me thinking about Oreos, which is not (laughs) a good thing. But okay, so what about, so what are your, and tell us the name of your book. The Simple Parenting Guide to Technology. Okay, and we will put a link to that in the show notes. Um, So what, what about that teen who you know, sneaks his phone at night and just is like, whatever, you know, basically you're not on his board of directors right now because you've had this battle. How do you, how do you repair? How do you reconnect around this? I think with, if you're going to start to get the wheel spinning in the other direction around tech with an older kid who's got some ingrained bad habits, I think you have to ease into it. I don't think you go from the kid being on the device 10 hours a day to saying, okay, starting, you know, starting tomorrow, uh, we're going to go down to two hours a day. By the way, how is school hunting? I don't think that's going to, that's not going to go over so well. Right. (laughs) So, so I think you need to ease into it in the book. The first part of the book is I basically walk parents through how to think through a family tech agreement for your family, which is just a simple way of saying, here are the basic rules around it. Here are the consequences for not following those rules and how to talk to your kid about that, right? Mm-hmm. Rather, we're, we're, again, it's going to be easier if your kid's eight than, than, you know, 14. But at some point, you have to start to find some framework for a conversation. And I think you can ease into it. I think a couple things. Here, here's like the one rule that I say to parents. If you can do nothing else, okay, so I'll start here and then we can kind of layer in a couple more things that might be helpful for parents. If you can do nothing else, it's to follow this one golden rule that I think every, in my opinion, every parent should do. And it's to make sure that devices go to bed at night too. Mm-hmm. Meaning there is a time at night and you can decide what's right for your family and your child and your family culture and environment. I don't know if it's, maybe it's 8.30, maybe it's 9.30, maybe it's 11.30. I don't know. But there's a time at night 
that's reasonable when everything gets shut down. Yeah. Non-negotiable. Good for us as well. It's, yeah, it's good for everybody. And yeah. so you go around and like what I say to parents is go around and collect devices. Mm-hmm. I have this tool I call the trick or treat method. You go around with a pillowcase <laughs> and everybody puts their device in it, their iPads, phones, take away the joysticks for the Xbox or take away the, just unplug the Xbox. Mm-hmm. You have to get creative, get a laundry basket and take the screens for desktop computers if it's what you have to do. Where there's a will, there's a way. Sure. Sh- if there's a will, there's a will, there's a way. You shut things down and that's it for the night. My experience keeping devices in their room is an almost unbearable temptation for most teens. And they're going to reach for it and they're going to want to see if their friend got back to them on Snapchat or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's, it's a formula for, for, it's almost setting them up for failure. Yeah, so it's having general, that cup of sugar right next to their bed or right the, next to those the bed. Oreos, yeah. So my, the, if you can do nothing else, I say to parents, figure out a way to do that. Work that into your family routine. Charge them in the common area. If you're worried that they're going to go and sneak them, then charge them in your room. Mm-hmm. Put them mm-hmm. in a locked closet and put a padlock on it. I mean, whatever you have to do, shut things down at night is the one thing. Yeah. You, can't make them, you can't force them to therefore go to sleep, but then they can read a book or they can do something. There's, there's something else you can do. Maybe you can shut it down at a certain point and then you have family time. Right. Maybe this when you sit down and you watch a family TV show that you're all into, which I get is technically screen time, but I'd rather you guys circle around and geek out on some Netflix together for an hour as a way to wind down the day rather than them being in their room on Xbox. Right. If you can do nothing else, then do that. Yeah. Then you can decide how, from there, if you want to build on that, then you decide how far, how much you want to fight the battle. You know, like what I would say, what I would say to, what I advise parents to say to kids, and I don't have this problem right now with my own son because he's on my, he's, I've got the reins of, of, every minute of his tech time right, and of his access to a device. And I, it's going to stay that way until he's probably at least in eighth grade. Mm-hmm. But what I would say is start to say, Hey, look, like I, I'm not talking about taking your Xbox away from you altogether, but if you're not out doing some of those other things I talked about before, like being physically active, being on a team, right. You know, going to the gym with your friends, studying a martial art, being involved in theater or theater tech, or I don't care what your interests are. If you don't, if you don't start to apply yourself into that, you're going to get the bare minimum of tech access in this home. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, you go and show me you can do 10 hours outside the house engaged in positive non-digital activities. You can come in and you can have 15 hours over the course of the week. Right. In screen time, you figure out some sort of formula, some sort of quid pro quo, if you will, if you do these things, I'm going to get off your back about this stuff. I want you to have this. I want this. This is a way you connect with your friends and have fun through Fortnite. That's great. I don't want to limit it all together. It's just not going to be the only thing you do. Yeah. I think that's great guidance. And there's a key piece in there too of when we can shift our own perspective on screen time. Cause basically it's, you know, we can land in the, like, I hate this. I hate Fortnite. But if you can, decide to like it a little bit and see what it been, how it benefits your son, then that can kind of ease your stress around it too. Yeah. I, I want to pivot because we are, I asked in uh, the Boys Alive Facebook group if any parents had questions for you. So I want to make sure we get to Please. those, some of those. One mom said, my teen has days when he just feels angry. He's never sure why. And he wants to know, number one, if this is normal, and number two, if it will get better. 
a great question. Boys and say, anger. Yeah. 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 I, I say I have two two thoughts about it. The first one is it, I would reassure him that it is normal and that it's okay. He doesn't need to be ashamed about it. I would say that the challenge that you want to, the way you want to think about it is how do you help him with this? Like what's a constructive way for him to, to, to deal with this? Kind of comes back to my physical activity thing. It doesn't mean it's going gonna, it's gonna to take all of that anger out of him, but it's going to help. Mm-hmm. One of the main reasons that I work out pretty religiously in my life and have my entire adult life is because of the men. It's not so much the physical benefits, although that's great that I feel healthy and, you know, I'm healthy, but it's also for my, my mental well-being. You know, like boys need to be active. Boys need to be running around to be more balanced emotionally. So mm-hmm. I'm not saying that that's going to resolve all of his anger issues, but I know it's not going to hurt him. Yeah. So that's one thing I would say. The second thing is that, you know, if it is intense and he feels like he could be on the verge of losing control, then he needs to get some sort of professional help. It's not, there's nothing shameful about having someone he can talk to about it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've always been really into martial arts and I, and I really think that that's an amazing thing for boys is a way to deal with some of that forceful, intense energy that they're feeling to channel it in a really constructive, safe way. Um, so I, when the young men who I work with, I very often try to bring them into that world mm-hmm. because it is one of the most healthy, positive ways to deal with that intense anger that I think so many men feel that I know that I, certainly when I was younger, I mean, as you get older, I think you get just a little more, a little more, you know, grounded in dealing with some of those things. But I remember feeling intense amounts of anger in my, in my teens and twenties and wasn't totally sure what to do with it. And you have to find a healthy way for him to channel it. Mm-hmm. But I think it does begin with, with acknowledging that it's okay. You're not alone. This is yeah. not strange. There's nothing to be shamed about, but let's figure out how, you, let's give you the tools you need to deal with this in a constructive way. So you feel like you can manage your anger rather than your anger is managing you. Mm-hmm. Great point. Yeah. So what would you, what would you say is the biggest thing teen boys need from their mom? First question and from their dad. Second question. Yeah. Great question. Uh, so let's start with mom. Okay. This is hard. This is hard moms. What your teen boy needs from you. And I'm going to, I'll say it in the most blunt way I can say it. And then I'm going to, and then, and then I'm going to sort of modify it a little bit is for you to let him go. Now this does not mean you have no relationship with him, but you need to let him leave the nest. Mm. You need to love him. You need to honor him. You need to respect him for the man he is becoming rather than the boy you find yourself at times wanting him to still be. So you need to let the boy go is really what it is Mm -hmm. and make room for the man. Yeah. And what's going to be hard about that is that there is going to be a period of time starting around the time he's, you know, give or take 12 or 13 when he's, he's not going to be as close to you in the same way that, that he was. If you do this successfully, if you give him space, you give him room to go become a man and stay, stay connected, try to stay on his board of directors. I'm not saying there's no role for you. There's a massive role for you. It's about loving. It's about nurturing. It's about being there. It's about showing up. It's about still going to see him do his sports and his activities and being there and loving him. But when he doesn't want to talk, 
when he just doesn't feel like he doesn't want to open up in a given moment, give him space. So important. He knows you love him. Mm -hmm. He knows you're there, but don't force it. Don't, because that is going to have the counter productive. It's going to have the opposite effect of what you want. It's going to push him away rather than bring him closer. You have to let him go. Mm -hmm. He will come back to you. And it will be a different relationship than the one you had when he was a little boy. It will be a rich, wonderful relationship, adult relationship. But that is probably the greatest blessing you can give your child is, is a mother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love hearing that come from you. That's just profound. And all the moms listening, take a deep breath right now. Yeah, it's going to be okay. <laughs> it's going to be okay. They will come back. But it is, and it is hard to be in those in those years when his friends are more important. Everything seems more important than you, and you feel sidelined. But you're not sidelined. You're connected. You know, like those sci-fi movies when when like they're the the astronauts are traveling to Mars, and they put them in this almost like sleep-induced coma for three years. <laughs> there was that movie, the Matt Damon movie, I think, where they. Uh, Mars, something about Mars. Anyway, they did that. I think they did that where they, they put them in this sort of coma for three years and then, and then they wake up and their life resumes. Uh-huh. It's going to, it's going to be slightly like that where, where a certain aspect of the closeness you're accustomed to is going to go dormant. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the thank yous that you deserve and want at times will sound more like F yous. Uh huh. Yep. But he still loves you. Keep letting him know you are there. And if you, if you walk that tightrope well, and it's okay to, 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 to fall off balance sometimes, like we're all going to do it, he's going to come back. Mm-hmm. So, so, so take a deep breath. It's going to be okay. Yeah. And in that, it's important to take care of yourself and to reach out to other moms who maybe are a little further ahead than you are, who have been been there and their sons have come back. And that's where that community and talking to each other and supporting each other is so important that you absolutely are not isolated and feeling more isolated because where'd my boy go? Where's, mm-hmm. where's that Where's that sweet little boy who's just like, it's the, it's the chrysalis butterfly metaphor of like, he's got to be in there for a while and then, and then he'll, he'll be out. So during this time before and during and after, what about dads? And if there isn't a dad in the picture, I know a lot of, of single moms worry because their sons don't have a great male role model. Yeah, totally. So here's what I say to dads. You have to do a little bit of the same in terms of just give him space. Like if he doesn't want to talk about stuff, give him room, give him space. Dads, the, I think the main thing for dads to do is, just, is to keep doing stuff with their sons. Mm-hmm. Throw the ball around, go for a hike, go for like stay connected to your boy. Don't have to, doesn't mean you have to be his best friend. There's times he's not going to want to hang with you. That's okay. And I think moms should do this too. Like I'm not saying moms should like literally say goodbye to their kid for three or four years, but dads in particular stay connected to him. If you can, it kind of comes back to the video game thing. You said like stay in his world. You know what? You don't love Fortnite. Learn to play Fortnite with him. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean you have to spend three hours a day playing Fortnite, but once at once a week, 
go sit down for 45 minutes and let them, and let them whoop you in Fortnite. Right. <laughs> and, and have some laughs. Mm-hmm. Be in his world. Show an interest in his world. Be curious about his world. Dads, stay connected. Stay close. And then just be a good role model. Yeah. He needs to see adult men making decisions in the world. He needs to see adult men who come home every day and they're present with their families. You know, they're not just disappearing into their own hobbies or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Bring him into your hobbies if you can. Stay connected. You know, again, he's, he's not going to talk to you about everything and that's okay. But stay connected. Yeah. I think, unfortunately, a lot of dads just, they, they sort of, they let that space come in because they think he's off kind of doing his thing. And this is a time to actually just stay really connected and just continue to role model healthy masculinity for him. Yeah. And, and starting early to foster those physical activities that you like to do together, if it's fishing 100%. or whatever it might whatever be, but that, that, that is going to hold you through those, through that, that little, those gap years where you know, he's doing his thing, but, but that it still has to be there. There so, was a friend of mine growing up. I'll just give this one little quick story. And I go, there's a friend um, and he had, he had, there's three boys in the family and it, there was a house, there was a table in there, in there, they had a big living room and there was a table sort of in the corner that always had a massive jigsaw puzzle. Mm-hmm. And, and it became this family gathering spot. And like you, people, you could come in and if you were visiting them, you might sit there for 15, 20 minutes and there'd be two or three people around. And it was this collective project that the family was always working on a jigsaw puzzle. And then they would laminate them and put them on the wall and that kind of thing. But it was this really interesting, almost like this, like this modern hearth that people would gather around. And I always mm-hmm. thought that was such a clever thing for the parents to do to make sure that that was this fixture, this, this gathering point in their living room. And in some ways, it's a metaphor, too, to just make sure that there's something you guys can continue to gather around, that there's some table yeah. or some activity. Maybe it's physical. Maybe it's more of intellectual type thing. Maybe it's politics. I don't know what it is. But find that thing that you can, that you can share with them and rally around and gather around. Mm-hmm. Nice. I love that. And for, for many males, you know, sitting at a puzzle table is way easier to, to chit-chat or not, but that eye contact is not part of it. And that can be more comfortable for many boys. So keeping that in mind too. As we wrap up, I would love to hear one top tip. My biggest tip comes back to the whole board of director thing. There's two questions to really ask yourself there. One is, is again, I'll start with the not fighting the wrong battles. I would look at every area that you have conflict with your son and ask yourself this question. Can I let go of this? Can I let go of this? Because you have to do an inventory of sorts about where you have conflict, where you have tension that is creating more distance in your relationship and ask yourself that question. Can I let go of this? Is this something that, that it absolutely has to be this way or would I just like it to be this way? Like his room, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, maybe some of the, his friends, maybe some of the, just, just day-to-day habits the way clothes he wears, the way he's styling his hair. I, I, there's, you just have to look at all these things that you might be fighting with him about. School, again, mm-hmm. start to ask yourself, can I soften my position on this stuff to create less tension in my relationship with him? Then the second question is, what can I do to strengthen the relationship? And it goes back to those things around throwing the ball around, going for bike rides, 
whatever your thing is, bird watching, whatever you find is a common interest that you can, again, not, not go have all the deep, heavy conversations about what his innermost thoughts are about life, but where you can just laugh together and hang out together. Because from my experience, if kids can't just hang out with you and relax around you and let their guard down around you, mm-hmm. you're never going to get to the deeper subtext of what's really going on in their life. Because then when you come to them with a bunch of questions and you want to figure it out, he's going to feel like that's an interrogation, not, not a connection. So you just have to find that what is that common ground where you can just relax. There's a, there's a quote, the, the old comedian, Victor Borga, said that laughter is the shortest distance between two people. Nice. And I always come back to that. Like, what can you just do to like smile and laugh together? Because that is going to do so much for your relationship. So then create the, the conditions where maybe you do have those more meaningful conversations mm-hmm. when he's ready. When he's ready. And that may be when he comes back as a young adult. Who knows? Yeah. Or maybe it'll be when, he's, when, he, when he screws up with something. And, and because mm-hmm. you, you've proven that you're, that you're willing to listen to him when he has to talk. You know, let's say he, he says something. Let's say he posts something on social media that he later regrets. You know, he says something that like was really like made him feel awful and realized that he actually went against his own values mm-hmm. on something, said something bad or, and there were some negative feedback came from it and he was really upset and scared and didn't really know what to do. I want my kid to be able to come to me and talk to me about it in that moment. Yes. Yeah. So you got to do all, you got to do the groundwork so that if that happens or if you're, God forbid your kid's being bullied in some way, mm-hmm. you got to do the groundwork so that the conditions are right, that he'll come and talk to you about it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Laughter is the shortest, say that again. Laughter is the shortest distance between two people. Oh, I love it. Joshua, thank you so much for this conversation. There are so many golden nuggets in what you've said today that I know will really be helpful to to parents as they're looking at this long summer ahead of us. And uh, tell us where people can find you and connect with you. Yeah, the best place is just to go to my website, www.joshuawayne.com. Great. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us. And we look forward to staying connected. That'd be awesome. With some laughter. (laughs) (laughs) It works for me. All right. Take care. If you liked this episode, if you found this episode helpful, please consider sharing On Boys podcast with your friends. They can find us wherever they listen to their favorite podcast, whether they use an Apple, an Android, they listen in their car, they listen from their computer. Please tell your friends about On Boys, and together we will make the world a better place for boys. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. 
Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.